Hello and welcome to the Untranslatable Podcast. We are here recording episode 99, Culture Shock and How to Deal with It. And for those of you who don't know, Culture Shock is basically when you go to a new place and uh, their customs, their perceptions, their clothing, their cuisine is different from your home culture. And it gives you a little bit of a shock, maybe some panic, maybe some excitement. So culture shock is not all bad, but it definitely takes some getting used to. And today's episode, we will help you all navigate through culture shock and discuss some different types of culture shock that people experience in other cultures around the world. So we hope this will be a useful episode for all of you uh, global travelers out there, and we hope you enjoy. So without further ado, my buddy with the expertise and the steez, my buddy Jared. What's going on, Jared? Mm, that was good. Tip number one. Just stay home. It's not worth it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, these are just jokes, people. This is the Untranslatable Podcast. We would never recommend that. But please, first, everyone. Spread a little love. Follow us on Instagram, Untranslatable Podcast. Uh, Twitter, Untranslatable1, the number one. Slide into those DMs with uh, topic ideas. I like topic ideas. The International uh, School episode a couple episodes ago was recommended to us by a friend of ours, Austin. And I'm glad that he recommended it because I don't know how I didn't even think of that. I... Um, or you can email us, untranslatablepodcast.gmail.com. Um, also, you can give us untranslatables, which are idioms, sayings, proverbs, axioms. That's, that's Axioms, that's a new one. I think that's what that means. <laughs> Hold on, let me look it up. Let me look it up. A statement or proposition which is regarded as being established, accepted, or self-evidently true. No, not really. Oh, fascinating. Yeah, well, I don't kind know of. Really, yeah, okay. Send us some axioms. <laughs> <laughs> um, or even better, spread a little love. Five star reviews on iTunes and Stitcher so the world can know about our greatness or, as Chad says, our steez. That's right. Uh, have you been, did you uh, end up going into uh, either traveling or any more concerts? Didn't you have some plans? So. No, uh, so I was going to no do some both. traveling. <laughs> the the person I was going to do some traveling with bailed on me. I should have mm-hmm. gone, but I stayed here and did a lot of reading. So that was good. Got my mm-hmm. nerd on on Friday. On Saturday, um, I was recouping from a night out with my students celebrating their graduation. So that was fun. Got to practice a little bit of Czech and talk so to some students. Celebrate the graduation before they're done with the school year. Well, okay. So they do the they they do the <laughs> they do the the maturitni plez, which is basically like a prom uh-huh. in February right. before they take the exam. Mm-hmm. So here they have a big exit exam called the maturita, and then after they pass the exam, then they have a little celebration. And so I was at the celebration at the uh, bar the other night, which was great. Got to see a lot of my uh, students which was a lot of fun, had some very interesting discussions about Czech culture and American culture. I have never sat down and been asked so many questions about the United States in such a short period of time. Well, what an odd place to do it too. Right? What kind of stuff were they asking you? So they were, well, they asked me, you know, what, like which sports are the most popular in the States, which Mm -hmm. I think it really depends which region you're at, right? I would say in the South, football is definitely still king, American football for our international listeners out there. Um, I think in Michigan and in the the Midwest, I mean, football is popular, but I would like to think baseball and maybe even ice hockey is pretty popular as well. Mm -hmm. Um, 
It's it's really hard to say, you know. But the one thing I also and try to mention is obviously the, probably the second biggest after football. Also, I would agree. I would agree without a doubt. And uh, and then my students were asking me about Czech hockey players in the NHL that I knew. Mm-hmm. Knew a couple of them. Didn't know a few of them. Um, some of them asked me, obviously, some thoughts about politics, which is always fun when you're drinking yeah. at a bar. You want to start great talking American club politics. conversation. <laughs> oh, for sure. Um, but yeah, but the thing that this really made me realize was um, I'm just so thankful and grateful for the relationships I've had with my students. Because for many of them, I've been the first American they've ever met. Mm-hmm. Whether or not that's a good or a bad thing, I'll let you and the listeners uh, decide. Slipping but, on gator piss. Um it's been a really great and worthwhile experience for me living in the Czech Republic for, you know, these previous nine months. I definitely can't complain. Wow. Okay. That's great. That's great. Um, did, so they, I mean, clearly they have no problem like getting hand boned in front of their teachers and all that stuff. Well, now I'm not their teacher anymore. So even more. Wait, are range. you done teaching? No, I'm done teaching them. They're done with the school. They're oh, done. Are there other people that you're teaching though? Of course. I'm teaching the, the, the juniors, the people. sophomore, and freshman. Yeah. Oh, okay, mm-hmm. okay, okay. But the people that are graduating are already done. Yep, they're done. So does your is that is your course load been lifted slightly then? No. Because this semester I've been teaching the first grade the, the freshmen and the sophomore students. Oh, okay. Okay. So, I gotcha. so the first semester it was all seniors and juniors, so fourth and third year students. Um, this semester, it's all been first and second year students. Oh, so the, the, you're not. So these are the people you taught first semester, and they just invited you Correct. to hang. Correct. Yep. Okay. They want the cool yep. American there. <laughs> I, guess, I guess. I guess so. But I guess they'll have to settle for you. <laughs> <laughs> Ex- exactly. Exactly. Uh, so yeah, but it was it was a good time. But man, I cannot keep up with these eighteen and nineteen year old kids. Yeah, I just yeah. cannot. Saturday was basically a wasted day. I did some reading again, but pretty much a wasted day. Didn't do much. Yeah, I can imagine that. There, there. I, I was gonna say I miss it, but I don't think I do. Or that just like drinking without any sort of regard to uh, life. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's tricky. It's very <clears throat> tricky. But you know, it's it just goes to show you some cultural differences, though, because in the states, even when I was a TA at a university, I would have never gone out drinking with my students probably even my ex-students like maybe maybe have a beer Mm -hmm. you know at the end of the semester with them if if they suggested it but um let's just say it's safe to say i had more than one beer with my students on saturday (laughs) on friday night saturday morning so so yeah so i think it's a big cultural difference obviously it's also different too because i'm only here for this year and that also made me really sad, telling the students I wasn't going to be here because I think a lot of students thought I was going to stay. And I think had circumstances been different, I maybe would have stayed, but uh, Papa's got to pay off them student loans. Mm-hmm. Is, this, this, is this their first Fulbright English teacher they've had there? Or mm-hmm. do they get, are they going like, to get another one next year? So uh, the, way the, the way the rules are, I believe they can apply and get another one in three years. So oh, I've put okay. in a good word for my school. I hope they will get another one. I hate to sound arrogant or convoluted, but I don't think they're going to get one that's as low maintenance as me as a teacher because I have Mm. teaching experience. A lot of the other Fulbright English teaching assistants, not all of them, but many of them, this is their first ever teaching gig. So they don't know how to manage a classroom, create materials, do all these things. So they need more help. And that's normal. 
Mm-hmm. But I think the the mentors of these schools need to be aware of these things before they apply. And if they do get a Fulbright English teaching assistant, so they can provide them with enough support. Because I asked my mentor, I, I, I asked her, you know, well, what what are some things that could change? What are some things that could be improved? Um, and then I asked her, you know, in terms of like the future, if you guys were to have another one, um, what would it look like? And she said, well, it's really hard to say because you've been low maintenance. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I haven't had any, the couple little problems I've had at my apartment, I've been lucky to knock on my neighbor's door, hold up my phone with my translator <laughs> of, do you have a screwdriver? And I can fix it myself. Uh, exactly. Exactly. Uh, yeah, and those aren't and those are different issues than issues of having a new teacher come in. Like those are mm-hmm. normal living situation issues, not like more hands-on help with the teacher. Right. And this also wasn't my first time living abroad, which I think really right. helps. Mm-hmm. You're a pro. It's uh, not not yet, but I think uh, I think after <laughs> the next adventure, I probably will be. Um, right. We'll reveal that sometime in the near future. So yeah, you keep, keep your ears out, listeners. You, you got you got me at the edge of my seat. But uh, yeah, so it's been great though, man. It really has. I've been very lucky. After this episode drops, though, I'll have left the, less than a month left here in the Czech Republic, which mm-hmm. really boggles my mind. I remember getting off the bus, coming to my apartment for the first time, and being like, "I have so much time to do all this great stuff." Yeah, you know, and bright eyed and, and bushy tailed. Exactly. Now it's almost <laughs> over. It's but, also you know, crazy for me to think because we've been doing this podcast the entire time you've been there. Right, uh, right. I, it's just it's one. It's weird to think that it's interesting to think that we've been able to keep it so consistent, but also that um, we've been doing this for almost a year coming up soon. Mm-hmm. Does not Pretty feel like wild. it at all. Pretty wild. And so I've got to say, I got to spread a lot of love to all the spread people that have made love. my stay here amazing. And I think we should move in and spread some more love. What do you think, Jared? Sure, sure, sure. Uh, I have one, and I'm not going to say it's frivolous, but it's not probably not going to be as intense as yours. Uh, shout out to Liverpool, who won oh, the yeah. Champions League final yesterday For sure. against uh, Tottenham, 2-0. to zero. Uh, It was a first. A, they played in Madrid. And um, guess when was the last time to ha- there was a Champions League final without a Spanish team in it? Oh, Let's see. Last year, last year Real Madrid was in it because Liverpool lost to them. Mm-hmm. That that game was so sad to watch. Um, I was really rooting for Liverpool last year. <laughs> Glad they won it this year. Yeah. Um, Real Madrid won what three years in a row? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's got to be at least like ten years. Nah, eh, not that bad. Twenty thirteen. Okay. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. But yeah, really? I just, so six yeah. years. Mm-hmm. That's pretty impressive. And I think this is also, I don't have the stat on this, but I think this is also the first time in a very long time that it's two English teams going up against each other. Right. The, the one I can remember, it was 2012 when it was two German teams. Mm. Who was or it? 2013. I mean, Bayern and Dortmund. Bayern. Oh, okay, that Bayern sense. and Dortmund. That's when <laughs> Arjen Robben scored the goal in Wembley Arena. Okay. Um, but yeah. Also interesting, uh, another kind of mini shout out that was unintended, but I think is worth mentioning is... Uh, since Mo Salah has joined Liverpool, mm-hmm. there has been a huge drop on Twitter and in other social media platforms of Islamophobia. <laughs> that's good and also kind of pathetic that that's what it takes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. I don't think I don't think you should have to have a world class 
uh, Muslim soccer player on your team for you to not be, you know, become less racist. But I guess baby steps. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, that's good, too, because um, like that sort of stuff. Yeah, it's sad that that's what it takes. But it's also necessary, especially in uh, like FIFA, where it's notoriously known for rampant racism in the in the crowds. so it is it is good that it's it's becoming more and it's not only good for Mo, but it's good for like people that wanna go and people that wanna support these teams. Or it's like um where it's like uh Utzel was saying, we talked about this after the World Cup, like he's like it's hard for me to um to play for these teams knowing that as soon as I make a mistake, like, you know, people are start throwing uh slurs at me because I'm you know, I'm Turkish German. And right. like, if I'm doing well, then then they like me, and if I'm not, then all of a yeah. sudden I'm this name and that name. <laughs> for sure, it's it's total BS, without a doubt. Yeah, that that is for sure. Um, all right, well, my uh, first shout out is kind of a piggyback on my shout out from last week. Uh, Going to give another one to the Kiwis, New Zealand. Um, I have learned more about their plan uh, for uh, basically helping social uh, problems. And the goal is actually, which I really like, we'll see if it works, but the goal is that New Zealand wants to make people happy and not rich. So New Zealand's latest budget unveiled this week is being touted as the first in a Western country to put well-being over economic pressures. First of all, I don't think that would ever fly in America because we're such a yeah. capitalist country. Um, even, I, even I, when you said that, I was like, ugh. <laughs> right, right. So the country's rich, prime... baby. <laughs> right, right. Uh, the country's prime minister, um, I believe it's Yacinda Ardern, promised billions of dollars in additional funds to address mental health problems, suicide, and child poverty. Almost uh, $2 billion New Zealand dollars is earmarked for mental health services, Following yet another year of, this is interesting, I didn't know this, following yet another year of the country having the highest teen and young adult suicide in Western countries. Hmm. Interesting. As well as boosting existing mental health services, more money will be used to help people with mild or moderate mental health issues uh, before they become an emergency. Almost 200 uh, New Zealand, uh, 200 million New Zealand dollars will go to an an initiative to provide long-term shelter for people who are homeless with no strings attached and more than 1 billion New Zealand dollars addressed uh, addressing child poverty. So I think this is great. I really hope they will find a way to make this work because they're clearly pouring plenty of money into it. And I hope it will result in people living there to live a happier, healthier life. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. And uh, it's interesting to see that I assume a good portion of the country is on board with, with, the, with that. Because even just the whole... Um, not focusing on wealth thing like that mm-hmm. sentence and alone would turn off so many Americans. <laughs> oh, I could see Americans with their with their torches and pitchforks at a town hall when someone said that. Oh yeah, 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 for you sure, know. for sure. Yeah. Uh, anything yeah. else? Oh yeah, you you know I always got more than I know. one shout out. I, I figured. My next one goes out to an Indian gentleman named Ramveer Tanwar, who has now been uh, spending quite a bit of time and effort restoring. Uh, and reviving uh, dead lakes in India. So Hmm. what's really interesting, so uh, Ramveer Tanwar is a 26-year-old from India that decided to take action with this problem of, um, you know, these lakes being polluted and dying and things like this. And he realized that the lakes and ponds where he played with his friends are starting to disappear. Many of the wetlands were polluted and had instead become dumping areas. 
He decided that it's time to change this and educate people about the significance of having clean water. Uh, Ramvir gave lessons to students from his village, and they felt they had to do something about the dying water resources. Ramvir told the children to warn their parents about the existing problem with water conservation and water pollution. Sadly, this did not work since the villagers refused to believe that they could ever run out of water. So then after that, this is kind of where the change happens, where Ramvir decided he had to do his own, do this on his own. So he went house to house to each villager, explaining the issue of depleting water resources. Uh, Later, he told the students to gather their parents together each Sunday in a special place where he'd facilitate a discussion and suggest methods for water conservation. Finally, it began to happen and the villagers began to realize the problem they were facing. The authorities recognized his effort and the meetings were officially named, don't ask me what this means, Jared, because I don't know, but the uh, meetings were officially named Jal Chalptals. So if any of our listeners out there know what that means, let us know, untranslatablepodcast at gmail.com. We would love to figure that out. Um, So yeah, so this actually started back in 2015, and uh, it just seems like this project is getting better and better. And uh, so now he is starting to clean up different rivers and ponds and lakes uh, i guess lakes and ponds actually in india and i think it's absolutely amazing yeah dude i'm looking at pictures yeah do you see pictures of it yeah yeah the transformations are crazy like they look like garbage cans turned mm-hmm. into like brand new lakes there's yep. one of him standing uh like there's a picture of just like it filled with garbage then the after picture is him like in a squad pose next to the uh, lake right. it's hilarious <laughs> of course for sure this is my lake bitch <laughs> that's that's right but yeah, we need we need people. That's the thing. And that's something that I'm trying to do as well in my life is, you know, you can, you can read, you can, you know, try to educate yourself, but until you take action on something, it doesn't really matter, right? Mm-hmm. And I mean, this this guy, uh, Ramvir, really took a lot of action. You know, I mean, the, the fact that he went around in his village door to door telling people and organizing these events really shows his dedication and i think yeah um i think people like this need to be praised need to be rewarded and uh big ups to him spreading a lot of love his way spread a little love i'm sure there were a lot of opportunities where it felt like uh you know like you're talking to a brick wall or like oh definitely you know like all right f you guys then you know just don't have any clean water right uh you gotta get past that and clearly he did that's cool Oh, definitely. Definitely. And I think so that's I've, another mm-hmm. good example of, um, we talked about this on some recent episode as well, where it's like, I mentioned like, what what can I do? And it's like, yeah, but this is all, like, it takes someone to uh, to to do something. And it's like, maybe right. it's not that one person's job to do it all, but just putting out, like, getting people to recognize that it is an issue and that it can be fixed. Uh, and then other people will want to join in, which oh, seems like what's happened with this guy. Definitely. Yeah, it's, I think it's a smart... It's a smart strategy, and I think he's thinking in the long term, which we also need more people to be doing, because it's so easy to think about tomorrow or the day after, but to think about 5, 10, 20 years down the road, Mm -hmm. you know, if we want, you know, if I want my niece and nephews to have a clean environment, um, I got to think about the long term. Yeah. You know, if I want, if I want, you know, if I ever have kids one day, if I want my grandchildren to have a world to live in, we got to think of the long term. The short term mm-hmm. just isn't good enough. Um, and yeah. so so he's definitely making some big long-term changes, which is great. And I hope because these villagers and these people have been educated that it will continue to they will continue having clean water. Yeah. Yeah. Now that now that they've been cleaned, 
now it's this the villagers' responsibility to maintain that. Exactly. Exactly. And so my last shout out goes out to the governor Jared Polis, who is a governor uh, like in Colorado. Uh, right. Uh, he signed a bill that has now banned uh, uh, gay, confer- gay conversion therapy in Colorado, which I think is absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Uh, you know, and if, and if any of our listeners out there, you know, if you're religious and you don't believe in their lifestyle or however you want to put it, you know, you're entitled to your own opinion. But I don't think we should be forcing children and young adults to go do gay conversion therapy. Being... Being gay is not a sickness. It is not a something you can get therapy and it's fixed. You, mm-hmm. in my opinion, you are who you are, and you should be who you want to be. But it is very nice of those religious people to surround their uh, children with a whole bunch of other gay kids for them to have fun together. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought about it that way. Oh, I never thought about it that way. That's true. Uh, um, but yeah, so so basically, it's really great because. Colorado has joined a growing list of states that have banned uh, conversion therapy. It's a horrific practice that has long-term and widely discredited um, by mental and medical health professionals and has scarred many survivors for life. Yeah, Uh, of course. So Colorado took an important step forward in recognizing our diversity as a strength. And I have to say, uh, if you listen to our previous episode, I definitely did my fair share of America bashing but our mm-hmm. strength does lie in our diversity, and I truly believe that. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm with you. That that is uh, it is horrific though, and it's and it's like um, and it's like now you've essentially ruined your relationship with your kids, really. Right, right. And the crazy thing is, a lot of parents they, I think a lot of them truly believe they're doing what's best for their children, but they're so oh, out yeah. of touch with everything. Yeah, and it's and it's a shame. It really is. Um, you're going to thank me when you're straight, <laughs> right? Ex- yeah. It's so ridiculous. <laughs> Speaking of ridiculousness, do you, uh, happen to know what time it is? I do. And I'm glad you said ridiculous because I'm going to start. Cause my first one I think would be considered ridiculous. This, what everyone, what you're hearing is the untranslatable owl, the mm-hmm. owl that represents untranslatables time. Uh, my first axiom, no, I'm just kidding. Is, uh, <laughs> Catalan. Which is uh, spoken in parts of Spain like Barcelona. Bar- Barcelona. And um, my first is Culimerda. And what does that mean? Well, if I were to say it in real Spanish, uh, I, I'm sure the Catalan speakers love that I'd call it real Spanish. If I, if I were to say right. it in Spanish, it would be culo y merda. Mer- you, mean, you mean mierda? Yeah, I don't know how they say it in Spanish. Actually, I was just mad as how they say so, it in so, French. So, 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 butt and so, so, ass or butt and shit. Yeah, ass and shit. Ass and shit. Oh man, oh man, I don't even know where to begin with this one. Ass <clears throat> and shit. So, you, you t- give me some tips, Jared. The Americans have an untranslatable that has the same meaning that has to do with a um, delicious food. Delicious food. Um. So, for example... Like finger-licking good? What food is that? (laughs) Oh, it's a specific food. Yeah. (laughs) I see. Okay, I misunderstood you. Okay. Um, Some people people say um, the Untranslatable podcast is so amazing because... um, It's the bee's knees. 
do you eat bees? <laughs> <laughs> I guess not. No. <laughs> not usually, no. <laughs> um, because they say Chad and Jared go together like ass and shit. Oh, peanut. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So there like peanut butter it. and jelly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two things that perfectly complement each other. Okay. Oh, oh makes sense. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. I mean, it's hard to have shit without an ass. <laughs> makes sense. You makes sense. You. <laughs> okay. Good to know. So, Jared, my, uh, mine for you is I have two check ones. I decided I'm going to push the envelope. Oh, wow. And two check ones. We'll, we'll see if I regret this later, but I don't think so. <laughs> I've got a good feeling. So, this one is... Um, Tobure, tobure maso, which means like it, it will be meat. Uh, or, or I guess you could say also kind of like it will be a massacre, maybe, but it or a, a slaughter. Oh, it's like you're gonna win something. Uh, n- not quite. This this one is related to partying. Oh, oh, it's gonna be like a, a rager. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You better believe it. Tobure yeah. maso. It'll be... Yep. Did, it, did someone, one of your students say that to you when they invited you out on Friday? They should have, but they didn't. Because it definitely <laughs> was. Definitely was. It's wait, Meat or massacre? Those are two very different things. Meat. Technically, okay. tobure maso is... It, it, I, it will be meat. Okay. Okay. Um, I have... Let's see. Which one do I want to do first? Well, I'll do both of them. So I'll just do... I have another Catalan one. Saha, S apostrophe H A, I assume would be Saha. It's not Shah. They don't do Shahs. I, I, I have in no Spanish idea. Or, uh, sa, oh, I guess they also don't pronounce the H, so it's probably the Sa. Okay. Sa acabat el brocil. 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 Sorry, I had to get the accent right. Brocil. Okay. There is no more broccoli. There's no more broccoli. So like you're broke? Mm, no, 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 no. No more. You don't got that cheddar. <laughs> um, no more broccoli. So mm. I'll give you a hint. You know, okay. a lot of there's the um, there's sort of the uh, cliche that like um, parents have to like parents try to get their kids to eat vegetables. A common one is broccoli, uh-huh. but right. the, uh, but the kids don't want to eat it. So you know they say if you um, if you eat it you'll get this or like oh broccoli actually is delicious what are you talking about mm-hmm. and now think of imagine the child saying there's no more broccoli there's no more broccoli so it's like like you're I mean basically like you're you're done with the bad stuff now you can have fun do what you want mm, no the judges aren't happy I no, like where you're right. where you're heading. But the okay. judges are shaking their heads behind me. I know. Relax. He's going to guess again. <laughs> um, so is it like, let's see here. So let's see if I can think of an example. Um, I like to often throw parties at you, which is an untranslatable mm-hmm. for uh, for make fun of you and stuff. Roast and, it. Um, and, you know, I, I'll, I'll be doing that. Then I'll say something like... Uh, Dude, this has to be our last episode of the, of the podcast. And you're like, ah, ha, 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 ha. Uh, and, and I'm like, no, there's no more broccoli. Um, this, is, this is the end. This is an example. It's not the end, by the way. We wouldn't right. end at 99. 
Cliffhanger. No. Um, <laughs> Not that we're ending at 100 either. This is still going. <laughs> I, th- I think that confused me more. Okay. Um, all well, good. Th- yeah, what is it? Uh, it's used to indicate the end of something like deception or trickery. Next time you confront someone that uh-huh. okay. uh, someone about their bad intentions, tell them they've run out of broccoli. Okay. I so like it's that like one. no more trickery. And I'm like, like I'm not one. tricking okay. you. I'm serious. Okay. This is right. the end. Okay. <laughs> Which is not. Let me make it clear. <laughs> okay. Five star reviews. Come back. <laughs> Don't That's leave right. us. <laughs> That's right. So my, or no, you have, do you have another one? Yeah. yeah Go I for do. it. Um, my last one is Farsi. And it's Kachalam Kardan. And it means uh, they made me bald. They made me bald. It's not like they stressed they stressed you out. <laughs> All right. It more technically, it would be they're driving me nuts. But right. I'm going to give it to you. I think you're. That's obviously similar. Right. Yeah. I mean, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. You know, it's like it's, that one's I guess, an easy one. Yeah. The English. We have a similar one in English where it's like caused me to pull my hair out or something like exactly, that. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's what I was thinking of. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Well, speaking of speaking of head, um, what? my <laughs> next one has to do with um. Um, the the um head. So here we go. <laughs> Ochi like lobby, which like means eyes on the top of your head. Eyes on the top of your head. Is it like uh you can't sneak up on me, or like mm, uh I see that everything? Would, that that would probably be eyes in the back of your head. Not yeah, eyes that's on what the was, top of your head. That's the English or American people say that. Like you, like you better have eyes on the back of your head. Right. Um, eyes on the top of your head. See, I'm trying to think of an example. Like your head in the clouds? No, no, no. Um, okay, here. So, say say we record this episode, and then at the very end, you tell me, "Yeah, actually, Chad, I'm sick. I'm sick of your shit. We're we're done." I say that at um, the end of every episode. We're, we're done. <laughs> <laughs> this was our last episode, and then I have eyes at the top of my head. It's like you're trying not to cry. Okay. <laughs> it's basically you're surprised. Oh, oh you're okay, surprised. okay, okay. Which in okay. a way, like if you're really surprised, I guess like your your eyebrows get big and like, you know. Oh, yeah. They open so wide like your eyes are now at the top of your head. Okay. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Um, Okay. Yeah, I got you. I got you. I have a question for you. You know, you, were, you, you're, you had eyes at the top of your head uh, when you were moving to... Uh, Czech Republic, you're surprised about what to expect, what uh-huh. what what your living situation was going to be like, what the students were going to be like. Before you got there, did you do any sort of research into uh, into like the culture and how to avoid these aforementioned cultural faux pas? Of course, of course. What kind of stuff did you see? So one of the first things I found regarding Czech people was that um, Czech people can be very and this is from the internet, these aren't my words, but a lot of the websites I read said Czech people are very cold. Mm. And now I think what they mean by that is just they're more reserved and they're a little bit more shy. Uh, I was also, this wasn't when I did research before, but when I got here during the orientation, they had told us that Czechs don't smile. I find that to be really untrue. Mm -hmm. I think the thing is, it's just they're not overly smiley like we are in the States. In the States, we smile yeah. all the time. In we the use... States, if you're not smiling, it's like you're you're automatically in a bad mood. Here, you smile when there's something to smile about. 
Right. Yeah, Americans definitely smiling as like some sort of defense mechanism mm-hmm. or just like a default face when you're looking at strangers essentially where it's like there's that there's that uh I mean people always talk about it on Twitter and stuff where you have that sort of like like you know yep. that sort of like smile yep. you give to like people in your office when you're just like you barely know them but you're just walking around saying hello to everyone. Right. I, I get that. I think we're we're. I'm not. I'm, I'm, I don't want to say over smiling. Like there's something wrong with it, because <laughs> I don't think there's anything wrong with it per se. But I do think that it's it's definitely just a more natural part of our uh, our sort of diffusing situations. Right. But to me, I dislike it now because it's not very genuine. Right. Right. You know, checks to me, it seems like check people will save their smiles for when you should really be smiling. Yeah. Um, so if you get it, you felt like you earned it. <laughs> Exactly. And I I noticed when I first moved here, I would make eye contact with people and smile and they would kind of give me a weird look. And Mm -hmm. so now I don't smile at people when I walk by. Now I just look at their cute dogs and smile at their dogs. But (laughs) interesting that you would do that, because I feel like having spent a lot of time in Austria and Germany, Germany, uh, you would know better. Yeah, but I was also in a bigger city, you know, well, at least in, in Austria. In Germany, though, Germans tend to, at least where I was, they would always, you'd be greeted by people you didn't even know. Mm. You know, you'd be walking down the street and you'd get a a guten tag from somebody all the time. But see, I was (laughs) in a smaller town. German Narnia or something? (laughs) What is this? Well, I was, yeah, so I was, well, I was in Mayan, which is um, close to Cologne. And I think that, that part, I think the northern part of the, what they call the Rhineland. I mean, that's kind of Rhineland Dusseldorf. Yeah. (laughs) Is... I think up there, it's a little more reserved. I think mm. further down south, when you get closer to Rheinland-Pfalz um, um, or the Rhineland-Palatinate, as they say in English, which sounds really weird, but that's what it's called. <laughs> um, it rolls off the tongue. People, right, people are a bit more friendly. Okay. And so, so, yeah. And so that's one thing, though, that I've changed. The other thing, too, in terms of culture shock here is that you see, like, where I live, you see a lot of, like, random, I don't know if they're homeless or what, but, like, drunk dudes just, like, hanging out on the sidewalk, sleeping on a bench. And, you know, where where I'm from in Michigan, you don't really see that. Obviously, I've seen homeless people before. Um, but, you know, I've and I've seen, like, drunk guys here literally take a pee right, like, on the sidewalk. Like, not on the sidewalk, but, like, they're standing on the sidewalk and turn and pee in the bushes. Mm-hmm. And, like, in the States, that would not fly ever. Like, you can yeah. you can literally get a ticket and, I think, get put on the sexual offenders list if you do that. Yeah. I think it depends on where you are, but, yeah. Right. Um, but there's also... Um, that's actually an interesting point, because I remember seeing that a couple times going on, whether it was on the bus or whatever. Like, people mm-hmm. will just pull over on the side of the road and do that in Europe, uh, too. Right. Which is, yeah, uh, yeah. which I think is great. <laughs> yeah, it's just diff- different cultural values, you know? Yeah, yeah. I think it's fine. But you, you got to get used to it. Um, and the other thing that I've seen here that that irritates me a little bit is just the, the amount of litter. You know, if you mm. go to Germany, there's some litter, not very much, very, very small amount. Depends on which city you're in. But most cities in Germany are fairly clean. Vienna's really clean for the most part. Uh, here in Prague, it depends where in Prague, but it can get a little dirty. And sadly, also here in Komutov, I mean, I did a lesson with my students last week on en- environment and like good good and bad things for the environment. And I asked every class, what are your thoughts on littering here? And everyone was like, yeah, it's bad. 
People litter way too much. You see cigarette butts everywhere when they could just walk a couple feet and, you know, throw it in like a bin and then you'd mm-hmm. be done with it. Yeah. Yeah. That my, my first tip for avoiding cultural faux, faux pas is no matter where you are, don't litter. It makes me so angry. Oh, me too. Well, <clears throat> and, it's, and you're just being a disrespectful guest at that point too. Yeah. Um, but I do want to say too about culture shock is that I think a lot of people lose sight of the fact that when you travel anywhere, especially to a different country or culture, you know, that country or culture is not designed to make you comfortable. It's designed to make the people who live there comfortable. Mm -hmm. And my biggest tip for anyone experiencing any type of culture shock is um, don't look at it as good or bad. Just look at it as different. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because it, it would be very easy to get very judgmental and say, oh, well, we don't do this you know, where I'm from, you guys do it differently and it's bad, you know, like, yeah, I'm not saying littering is good by any means, but you know, if I were to go around and, you know, you know, wag my finger at every check person I saw, (laughs) you know, throwing their cigarette butt on the ground, I would definitely be making a lot more enemies than I would friends. Um, Yeah, for sure. And so Uh, just be aware of that. Yeah. One thing I've noticed that you do, Mm -hmm. um, and this is something, is that, uh, you don't, like when, when, like, say you're in some sort of country or something, you like. I tend to sort of ignore the differences and just like mm-hmm. you know live. You often use it as like conversational pieces, mm-hmm. and like you and you, you use it as like a you know as a just a curious person. Uh, and I thought that that I always find that interesting because my my tactic is usually just to like not talk about it. Not that there's a problem with that. I don't think. Right, but uh, I find it interesting that that you like use it as conversation starters a lot. I, I hate to put you on the spot, but can you give me some examples? Because I didn't even realize I do this, but now that I think about it, I guess you're kind of right. A common one that I remember when we were in Berlin is asking about the Dutzen people. Oh, that's true. Um, which means to like using the informal versus formal do on you know in different people because you said mm-hmm. you recognize that a lot of people go straight to the informal. Yep. Um. See now you now you you are putting me on the spot. Uh, That's a great example though. That's a yeah. really good example. And and I think for me it's because I genuinely want to get a better understanding of the culture. And so that's mm-hmm. why I ask those questions. Because who better to answer those than people who are locals, you know? And I think the funny thing is too I I think a lot of locals don't ever think about these things because it's so ingrained in their culture. Right. So it is kind of an interesting conversation starter. It gets them thinking too. They're exactly. not just like giving you some generic answer. Exactly. Exactly. So, so yeah. Um, but I do have to say in terms of the United States and Europe, I haven't experienced a ton of culture shock other than here in the Czech Republic. It's not, well, I guess it could be considered culture shock is the language barrier has been a big one. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, nowadays, if you have a smartphone, uh, there are a lot of ways you can get around that, which is really, really great. Uh, I would highly suggest downloading the Google Translate app. Now, if you go to some Asian countries, that won't work unless you have a VPN um, hooked up on your phone. And that oh, can be oh, difficult. Oh, I guess that makes sense. Yeah. And so then there are other apps you can get. And you can just Google before you leave Google. <laughs> you know, different language apps for, you know, China or South Korea or Japan or wherever. It would probably work in South Korea and Japan. I think it would. Yeah. China, it wouldn't. Vietnam, I think they do censor some stuff. Okay. I think. Um, but yeah, mainland China, they definitely censor Google and all that. So if you go there, look for alternative apps for you 
to overcome that big part of culture shock, which is um, overcoming the language barrier. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure, you know, China might have Google blocked. Well, they might. They do have Google blocked. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm sure there's a similar uh, similar translators that can do all the sort of uh, activities that Google Translate can do on your phone. Because I remember right. you blowing my mind with Google Translate because it has the um, – the function where you can take, you know, put your camera up to stuff and it'll translate mm-hmm. it, you know, in real time. And then there's also, a, you know, there's also a function where you could talk into it and it'll mm-hmm. like say it back out at you in the other language. Um, right. And so all that stuff I'm sure is they have in China. It's just they don't want you using Google. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And I would say the biggest thing too with um, overcoming culture shock is try to do some research before you go, so you're aware of some of the customs and things like this, but also go with an open mind and not with a ton of expectations. Mm-hmm. Because I think um, that's really where a lot of problems can be caused is if you go with a lot of expectations. Uh, so yeah. That, so I, That was it, actually one of my next things I was going to say is don't say no to, well, I wrote don't say no to shit on my, in my notes. <laughs> don't, <laughs> don't say no to stuff for the uh, children. Uh, that was actually a goal that I used to have for myself a lot because, as you know, I, I can be a homebody, I guess is the nice way mm-hmm. to put it. Yep. But um, I really – there was a period in my in my life where I really just, like, tried not to say no to anything, even if I thought I wouldn't like it. And I think that's even more important when you're in uh, uh, a new place where you're – you know, you're whether it's because you don't feel like doing something or mm-hmm. because you're, like, afraid of offending people or not knowing how to, like, handle right. situations – you're never going to find out if you don't just do it. And uh, exactly, it rarely ever goes as bad as you think it's going to go. Oh, for even, sure. Even if you are like performing some sort of cultural faux pas, unless it's something that happens to be real offensive, I think it's still going to be pretty unlikely that it's going to like end up badly. Right. And, and you I might would just say embarrass f- yourself for a hot sec. Exactly. And then it's a funny story in the future anyways. Yeah. Come on so, the podcast. Tell us about it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And I think the other thing is, too, if you're unsure, my other advice for all of our listeners out there is just look around and observe. Mm-hmm. You know, one thing I can tell you um, about a lot of what well, I know about Chinese culture, I'm not so sure about South Korea, Japan and other places. But in, in China, if you're, you're you eat with chopsticks, right? Mm-hmm. And you do not want to put your chopsticks upright in the bowl of rice or whatever food. Because they actually, for them, that symbolizes incense that they use during funerals. So if I think you're in Ch- Japan too. Okay, so there you go. So if you're there, you want to lay your chopsticks on the the plate or the bowl and not put them sticking straight up. Because I remember we were talking about death across cultures, and I mentioned mm-hmm. this one. That's and right. I, in Japan, um, at funerals, they'll have like a chopstick stuck into something like on a table. Right. Right. Uh, so that's that's one. Um, and yeah, just observe. I mean, that's really mm-hmm. the best way. And it's now, a good way to learn. Mm-hmm. How about using uh, the chopsticks and sticking them in your mouth so you look like a walrus? Great idea. <laughs> you know, I'm sure you'll get lots of hits that way. Or, you know, putting them in your nose, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah I got a big boogie coming out. <laughs> you betcha. <laughs> right. Oh, God. Um, but the, the thing that I love about Culture Shock is it, one, it kind of makes you humble, puts you in your place, and it also makes you realize you're not as smart or as cultured as you probably thought, which is, I think, a good lesson that we all need sometimes. Right. And I think it's also a good reminder, especially for us Americans, that the American culture isn't the norm. Like, that's not oh, for like, sure. It's not like everyone else is doing stuff weird. 
as much as us Americans think some other cultures are weird, the stuff that we do is just as weird to those people as well. And I think right. I think a lot of Americans specifically just assume that all the other stuff that people are doing is uh, that people are doing is weird. Where it's like, no, 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 that's it's that's just not what you're used to. Right. And we're not we're not like the we're not like the default culture. <laughs> Definitely not. And the other thing is too is, I think American people need to. Not be offended when people ask questions that could be considered offensive, because mm. I think most of the time that's because a lot of these people don't have the necessary language skills or cultural skills to understand what they're asking might be offensive. So it's yes. not a personal question in terms of, you know, th th they think you are maybe personally this way. You know, I've had a lot of people ask me, you know, why are Americans so fat, right? <laughs> um, and well, I mean, we are the number one country in obesity in the world. I don't know if that's still true, but keep going. Google it. I'm pretty sure it's true. I'd be willing to bet bet my bottom dollar on that. Um, but anyways, and so you know, or they, or I've had a lot of Czech people say, "Well, why don't Americans know very much about European history?" Which is, which I would say that one's also pretty true. And it's because, at least, unless you take a lot of electives in high school or college. You won't learn a ton. I mean, in my high school, at least, what we learned about European history was all related to World War One and World War Two. So basically, mm -hmm. because America was involved, we learned about it. Franz um, Ferdinand got assassinated. Is that who exactly, it was? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Franz Ferdinand. No, Franz Ferdinand. Yeah. Okay. The Archduke. Okay, okay. That was World War One. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 So. So yeah. So and these questions weren't directed at me personally, but you will get these questions when you're abroad. It's because people are curious and they want to learn. And mm -hmm. I think you should, um, you know, really embrace those questions and, and be willing to answer them and discuss with them. And I always love debunking stereotypes. And actually, Jared, I have a question for you. I didn't really know how to answer this question. Sorry to make you the token black guy right now, but I'm going to. Sorry. <laughs> but I had a student ask me. He said, is it he's I, he either asked me why or is it true that black people oh, um, love fried chicken and <laughs> uh, and Kool-Aid? <sighs> And bas basically what I told him was, well, it's a stereotype. Um, I know a lot of white people that also love fried chicken, um, but that's really – I didn't know how to answer it. Yeah, so what would I don't your know advice be? where that stereotype really comes from, but my right. always, my response always to that is like who – unless you're a vegetarian or whatever, who doesn't like fried chicken? <laughs> like, right, right. I was like it might be a black stereotypical food, but find me a white person that's not ecstatic to have uh, oh, for sure. <laughs> fried chicken. Yeah, I love <laughs> fried chicken. Especially made by a black person. Mm -hmm. But um, the Kool-Aid thing, I think there is some legitimate stereotypical roots in there. And I think it comes from the fact that um, it's cheap and that, uh, and that I think it has something to do with that and it has something to do with uh, perceptions of poverty and stuff like that I mean, and some realities yeah. too. Yeah. And I think that uh, it's uh, it's uh, cheap and it's easy to make a shit ton with a small amount of uh, ingredients. And I think right. that's where that comes from. Um, but yeah, this this fried chicken thing always confused me too because it's like, who doesn't like fried chicken? It's amazing. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I had some yesterday. It was great. <laughs> and it's also funny too because it's like those Czech people love uh, like schnitzel. And right. it's like, that's kind of the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For sure. <clears throat> Without uh, a doubt. But yeah, no, I, 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 um, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't fully understand where that stereotype comes from. Right. Another, What's another the, culture shock. Uh, sorry to cut you off, Jerry. Oh, first of all, is the U.S. number one in obesity still? No. 
What? Well, the so here here's the <laughs> this is uh this is according to the World Population Review. And um obesity isn't just limited what uh, excuse me. A, a person is obese with their body mass index when their body mass index is higher than 30. The BMI okay, blah blah blah. The number of obese people in the world is approximately 2.1 billion. Which oh, is about thirty percent of the population. So the country of Nauru is the most obese country. I don't even know where Nauru is. Me either. I'll tell you though. Nauru is uh, okay. Um, so uh, really, U.S. isn't number one anymore, huh? Oh, it's it's like uh, off of Ocean. It's the Oceania area. It's off of okay. Australia, like uh-huh. a little bit north of Australia, okay. small island. Number two is Cook Islands, which I assume is what sounds like it would be like British Virgin Islands or something. Right. Sounds right. That's just a guess. Um, In the Southern Pacific, uh, close to Hawaii. So where's where's the U.S. on this list? All right, fine. (laughs) That's what I want to know. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Really? Wow. Mm-hmm. So uh, some of these, I guess, kind of make sense. Like Tonga and Samoa, that kind of makes sense. They're, they're generally a large group of people. Uh, same with Tuvalu, generally a large group of people. Okay. Uh, and right ahead of the U.S. at number 11 is Kuwait. Uh, ahead of that is Micronesia. And then after that's Jordan, Saudi Arabia, Qatar, Libya, uh, Turkey, Egypt, blah, 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 blah. Okay, interesting. Huh. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. I think another aspect of culture shock is the idea of punctuality or being on time. Mm, Because mm -hmm. in every different culture, I think we could probably even do an entire episode on punctuality (laughs) in different places because it varies a lot from culture to culture. You know, Germans tend to be, you know, stereotypically very punctual. Like like Austrians are. Counting down the the seconds. seconds. (laughs) Exactly. See, it's funny. I've had... All right, I've I'm had, here. <laughs> right, right. I've had Czech people tell me Czech people aren't punctual, but for the most part, I haven't seen that too much. I will say I have friends from South America, though, and my one, <laughs> my, my one friend would say that he said that the, the meeting time was always just a suggestion. You know, it was never like, a, I got to be there at 9 p.m. sharp. It's okay. Well, 9, okay, see at 9.15, see at 9.30. Well, I talked about when I did my uh, my program thing in France, and it was sim- a similar concept to where we would take these, uh, like, take fifteen or thirty minute breaks during our like class time, mm-hmm. and like all of all of us Americans would be looking at our clocks. Well, it's like, all right, it's uh, looks like it's coming up on two o'clock. We should probably head back inside, and like they weren't even like paying attention to us saying that. And like as like two o'clock was striking, they'd be like lighting a new cigarette. <laughs> Nice. Yeah. And we'd be like, um, we gotta go. And the teacher's like also lighting a new cigarette too. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah. It's very true though. And I think if you're if you're traveling somewhere new, be be aware of this. Be aware of, you know, what is considered punctual. Because mm-hmm. the last thing you want to do, depending on what you know you're traveling for, if it's for, for leisure, then it maybe doesn't matter as much. But if you're traveling for business, you do not want to get there way too early or way too late. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, irritate your potential future business partners. Yeah. Um, I mean, so yeah. I, yeah, I think you're, I think that's a good point to mention too. Not just being late, like being late, to obviously, uh, rude, not obviously, I guess, cause clearly we're just talking rude. about, 
But being late is considered rude. But also, I think if you're someone that is like coming early to a place, that can kind of be considered rude too. Sure. Like, um, you know, I, I've learned a lot from college that like, yeah, it's good to get to an interview early, but you're not doing anyone any favors by like showing up 10 minutes early and like walking in 10 minutes early because right. it's like especially at like a job interview because like these people have a job they're working too it's not like you're they're like oh wow you're early this is great let's just get this started now right. it's like yeah we're doing shit too we're like this is not the only thing on our schedule so i think it is rude also to assume that you're being nice just by showing up early to things mm-hmm. sometimes too yeah i would agree completely most definitely another aspect that can lead to a lot of culture shock is uh, food and eating culture. Oh, yeah. Uh, That's what makes me nervous about some travel that I want to do, especially to some Asian countries where it is very much more foreign food than I'm used to. Oh, definitely. And I I mean, at least in terms of the European context, it's not uncommon to sit and have a meal for a couple of hours. Yes. Um, And, you know, being aware of these things before you go is great, especially if you get invited by locals to go out to eat, uh, you know, make sure you don't plan things immediately after dinner because, you know, you want to be able to really enjoy your time with these people, enjoy your food. You don't need to scarf it down within five minutes. You know, you can, you <laughs> yeah, can the table's savor yours. it. Exactly. I, exactly. I've, I've been in, I've been on both sides of that situation. I've seen Americans get upset because they feel like the service is bad. Um, just because it's not bad service, just because they move slower there and they're not like, they're not like, like in, in, in most European restaurants, you will never be in a situation where they're bringing out your main course while you still have like your salad or something or soup still on the table. Like I've probably never seen that happen in Europe, but that's commonly happens in the U.S. where it's like you're halfway through your appetizer and they're like making space on the table for your entree. You never mm-hmm. see that. But right. then I've also been in um, in the U.S. with European people where they feel like they feel like it's rude because they feel like they're being rushed out of there. Right. And right. they're like, and like, why are you going so fast? It's like, why are you trying to get me out of here? And it, it, it's, it's, so I've, I've seen both sides be offended in that situation. Oh, for sure. For sure. And that's something really good to be aware of, you know? <laughs> um, and now I genuinely like it. I'm not looking forward to going back to the States and eating out and the waitress comes up, plops the check on the bill. No rush. Yeah. <laughs> no rush. Like, okay, yeah, sure. Yeah. That's why you brought me the check right now so I can pay and you can, you know, which I get. They got to make their money too, but it's just a different yeah. culture. And so, yeah, it's, so, not yeah. The, it's, it's not the waiters or waitresses fault. That's the system right. that they, that we've been, uh, exactly. we've been given. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But yeah, it does suck too. And like, even it's weird being in those situations too, where like sometimes in the US they'll do that, but like, they'll be like, do you want any desserts? Like it, as they're giving you the check. So right. it's like, I'll get you a new check if you want dessert. Otherwise, here's the check. Right. And it's like, this is so weird. So now I got to just like, wasting paper. <laughs> yeah. It's like, uh, man, you really yeah. want to get like either get out of here or buy something else. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Um, the other the other thing, too, and I'm curious to see what your thoughts are on this, Jared. So, you know, depending on where you go, different cultures also have different ideas of how you eat food. Right. Mm. And so what I mean by this is in the States, for the most part, people will get their own dish, their own plate, their own meal, and they'll eat it, right? But in other cultures, um, you know, you might get multiple dishes and share them, you know, if you're in a group or something. What would you do if you were in a group somewhere, but there was a lot of food that you weren't interested in eating? What are like some ways, because in Mm. some cultures that can be considered very rude, 
I don't really know how I would go about handling this situation. Um, so, you know, you are the man with the expertise and the stees. So I figured I would ask <laughs> you and see what, see what your thoughts are. First of all, um, I'm pretty selfish when it comes to food. I'm not a big fan of sharing. So I'm, I'm kind of in the, I, I, like, I'll do it and I'm getting better at it. But like, like sometimes I'll go out to dinner with my family, and they'll be like, "We we know you don't like to share, so you can get your and I, and I'll have to like, be like, no, 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 it's cool, it's cool. Right. I'm not like that anymore. But um, <laughs> what I would probably do, hmm, you know, and and you can always usually tell too, because there's clearly the stuff that people gravitate to in those situations. Um, I think what I would do, even if I didn't want to do this, is I would try the thing. And somehow make it known that I didn't like it. Okay. Because I don't think there's, I don't think people have a right to be offended that you don't like it. Well, they do, I, but especially if they're not cooking it. Let's put it that way. Okay. Like, say if you're at a restaurant, it's a little different, I guess, if you're at someone's house. And he's, right. and he, and he, but um, if you're at a restaurant and you don't think you're going to like it, first of all, that's a bad way to go into anything. But I, we've, right. you and I have both been in many situations like that. Mm-hmm. But I think you, I think you got to suck it up. And at least try it, so they know you don't like it. I think I think they would respect you way more if you at least tried it. And then once you say you don't like it, how can they be mad at you? It's like I'm sorry. What do you want right. from me? But I don't I think know you, what you do in that scenario though. If you're at someone's house and they cook something, yeah, then you just leave and never come back. <laughs> <laughs> but I think right. you specifically are gonna have to get better at that. Yeah. Me too, by the way. Yeah. But I feel like that's something that you're gonna have to work on. Yeah. Is just is being able to try stuff even though you are confident that you won't like it. Right. That's true. It's important to open your mind. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing too is that I've noticed that some people some people get a very rosy and unrealistic view of the people at a place where they visit, right? So I have a friend who um, went to a Say names. South, no, I'm just kidding. South, <laughs> South, Southeastern um uh, Asian country, had a great time, came back and said, oh, the people are so nice. Everything was so great. But I kept having to remind him, look, one, you're, you're tall, you're Czech, you stick out like a sore thumb. Mm-hmm. And two, I mean, a lot of people, they are genuinely nice. They want to help you. But I think a lot of people also um, give you special treatment because you're the foreigner, right? Yeah. Okay. And so you can't view an entire nation based on, and this goes oh, for, for good and bad. vacation there. Right, exactly. Um, because, you know, I have seen so much hospitality and generosity here. And I would like to think, and I, I, I do genuinely think for the most part, it's because the people here are just very nice. But mm-hmm. I think for some people, I don't think really so much in my situation, but in other people's situation, people might be nice to you because they think, okay, well, they're a foreigner, they're from a Western country, maybe they make a lot of money, maybe there's something I can benefit from this relationship yes. as well, right? Yeah. And so it's important to be aware of that. And, um, you know, I'm not saying that you need to put walls up or be rude, but um, just understand where they're coming from. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I'm with you on that. I'm with you. It is always weird to hear people give like a, I mean, maybe, I don't know, but it is sometimes weird to hear like people give broad generalizations on like, oh, the people there suck or the people there are great. It's like, I mean, you're there for like a week. Like, how do you know? Like, and and maybe maybe there's nothing wrong with saying that, but it's like, how about you say, in my experience there, like while I was there, right. I did not have a good experience with the people, rather than like, oh, all the people there are, are assholes or whatever. Exactly. 
It's like, oh, exactly. you mean the 20 you interacted with from your well, think, resort? <laughs> right. And I think the other thing is, too, is that when you travel somewhere new, there are obviously different customs, different ways people interact, things like this. And so I remember, um, I think it might have even been my mom. I don't remember where we were, but we were in a big city and we were getting on the public transportation. There wasn't a lot of room. And my mom was like, you know, oh, these people are so rude for not making room and things like this. And it's like, no, people just don't care. It's mm. not a matter of being polite or being rude. It's like when you're in a big city and you live that life on a day-to-day basis and somebody bumps into you, you know, I've been bumped into in Prague and, and in Vienna. And occasionally someone might say like, pardon me, but usually nobody says anything because it's kind of just comes with the territory. How do you say like, pardon me or excuse me or sorry in, in, uh, in Czech? Pardon. Oh, really? Yep, nice and easy. Oh. Pardon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. I mean, you uh, can say prominte, which is more formal, but most people here say pardon. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's that's that's a good point though where it's like it's not the locals job to like make make the tourist comfortable. Right. They're not they're not the the chamber of I don't know whatever who does that, but it's like chamber it's just of not, comforts, chamber of not, commerce, you mean? <laughs> it's just not their job to to right. do that. Right. And it's like, especially like these people are going to work or whatever. It's like they're, mm-hmm. they're going about a normal day. Their day-to-day life. Exactly. Right. And just try not to be overly sensitive about how people are in an area because you never know what their day-to-day is like. And, and you know, and there are also just different customs. You know, I, I sometimes felt weird, you know, saying pardon when nobody else was. Right. Because then it's kind <laughs> of like, well, wh- what are you doing? You know, or I just picture like a Midwesterner or a Canadian on public transportation, just being like, sorry, sorry, oh, excuse oh. me, sorry, oh, sorry. <laughs> you know, and, and so that's that's the thing. Like, you, you just try to be aware of some of these things. And if there's one takeaway I could give all of you out there is just don't take it personal. Don't be oversensitive yes. about these things. Be aware and be observant, but don't be oversensitive. That was my final bullet point was don't get defensive. Like, if someone calls you out for something... Don't get defensive about it and don't try to like that kind of like bothers me in general, not even talking about like cultural things. But like if someone Mm -hmm. does something wrong and then they get defensive to the point where they're like trying to justify it or explain it or it's like, no, no, just just like either accept it or say sorry or whatever. Like you don't have to like try to justify why you did this or say like, oh, this person's a dick for saying this to me. It's like just just accept it and take it. And I think even if someone is calling you out for something, that doesn't mean they now like dislike you or hate you or think you're a you're like a stupid american or something mm-hmm. it's, it's, i think they think more of that if you get defensive about it and i think other people a lot of other people especially outside of america are uh aware of 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 that like a lot of tourists won't understand everything all the aspects of what's going on in, in this certain area so if someone does call you up for something take it as a learning experience and don't don't try to uh explain your way out of it or whatever. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so to wrap up the segment though, Jared, I would like to give some potential culture shock uh, moments for people in different countries. And then I would like to end it with you and I uh, talking about some potential culture shocks people might experience going to the States, which might be difficult for us since we're from there. But Mm -hmm. number one, I think a big culture shock for people going to uh, some Asian countries, especially China is the squatty potties. The toilets, where it's basically a hole in the ground and you squat. And in some Chinese um, bathrooms, there's no cubicle in between. So in the States, usually the, the toilet or the... Yeah, yeah, I'm dead serious. 
There's no cubicle in between, so you'll see a couple Dude. holes in the ground. Yeah, <laughs> I'm an I'm an uncomfortable pooper in in public bathrooms when there is a cubicle in between. Right. I can only imagine. <laughs> yeah, if the dude's just right there, it's like sup, sup. Right, right. What? Another, another, yeah, another culture shock. I think a lot of people might be surprised of is some places in um in, in the continent of Africa and also uh, in South America. Some countries will have armed guards outside of places. And I don't mm-hmm. mean like an embassy. I mean places like hotels and different places like this. Yes. Um, and if you're not used to that, um, you know, seeing a dude with a machine gun standing outside your hotel could definitely be a little bit scary. Um, yeah. It, I, yeah. That's, that was also a kind of a culture shock even at like uh, European airports. Mm-hmm. Or yeah. not even just European because I also saw it in Tanzania as well. Right. But like at uh, at. Uh, a lot of European airports have that too. And you, even though we're the land of the guns here in the U.S., you don't really see like police officers walking around with machine guns in the airport like that. Right. Not not very often. That's for sure. But Another I saw it actually one. when I went to visit you in in, Lo- in London. There was a, a oh, there I was some machine guns going around there. I believe it. Another another one too is over cramped public transportation, especially in places like India, mm-hmm. um, uh, Sri Lanka, Japan, China, New York. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, and so that's another thing. And I mean, I guess my best advice for all of our listeners out there is when possible, try to take public transportation when it's not at peak transit times. Yeah, yeah. Other than yeah. that, you just have to suffer through it. There's really, or pay the yeah. extra money, I guess, for a taxi or something. I mean, I suffer through it a lot and I, I, I'm, I get pretty uncomfortable with people touching me and stuff. But it's right. like, uh, but uh, yeah, and it's, you just, it's, it's, you also got to keep in mind that, at least most of the people in there, they don't want to touch you either. You know, it's right. Like, it's like, yeah, it's like this is what it is. Yeah. What What can you do, right? Another mm-hmm. kind of funny one that I came across when I was doing some research for this episode was the use of the c word in Australia. <laughs> and They're, so, for our English speakers out too, there, I think so. Yeah, uh, I know it's way more prevalent in in Australia. And so, you know, if you're from the states, um, the c word, I'm not going to say it. Um, but Cunt. if you, thank you, thank you, Jared. Um, just so people are, I'm not, I don't, I don't use that word. Just so people right. know what we're talking about. <laughs> right. Good, good point. Um, you know, don't be afraid if you hear that in Australia. Don't be offended by it. It's, you know, I mean, there are other words we use in the states that they probably don't use in other countries, anyways. Another mm-hmm. big culture shock thing is same with uh, in the UK at least uh, cigarettes. Oh yeah, fag. Mm-hmm. Right, a fag. And in, in American slang, that means a. a it's a derogatory term for a gay person. Don't don't mm-hmm. use that term. No. Um, good. Uh, other other kind of big culture shock is seeing um, animals uh, for food that you're not used to. So dogs in Cambodia, for example, I believe in Peru they eat guinea pig. Uh, mm-hmm. in, in Thailand they have all sorts of. In China as well, I'm pretty sure they have all sorts of different bugs that are fried. Um, or so you even know, even mm-hmm. in places like France or Belgium, they eat a lot of raw, not a, but they eat like raw beef and stuff like that. Tartar. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, another another culture shock. Uh, well, two of them could be um, eating food with your hands is one. Another mm-hmm. one is some countries they don't use toilet paper, so you wipe with your hands as well. And in many of these cultures. Uh, the hand that they tend to use, which is bad for Jared and I, because we're both lefties, is uh, their <laughs> left hand. So in some of these cultures like India, I can think of like uh, Ghana and Africa, uh, you don't want to hand people things with your left hand because that's considered the dirty hand. Yeah, it's pretty offensive. Exactly. 
Um, so that's another one. Obviously, another big thing for culture shock can be lack of clothing or or in Islam, uh, Muslim countries, um, you know, having women be completely veiled, their hair mm-hmm. is covered and everything. And I think for, for these types of culture shocks, you just have to, once again, not make a judgment call of what's good or bad, but just it's different, right? And yeah. I would say respect the culture. You know, if you go to Saudi Arabia and you're a woman, be respectful and cover up. Yeah, you know, Some, um, I feel I feel like an <laughs> asshole as a man saying that right now. That but should that be a drop? Oh god! If you're a woman, be respectful and cover up. Nope, that should that should not be a drop. Uh, oh, that's just making me crawl thinking about it. But I, basically, my point is, be respectful of the culture, right? Yeah, um, yeah. You, you know, I, the, I would it, I wouldn't go to Saudi Arabia wearing uh, an American flag T-shirt and a cowboy hat and cowboy boots. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, and it's 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 not really. I mean, as like it's not really your place to make like a cultural statement and, and be exactly and like or or like a judgment even like a judgment statement on how they on how they live to the point where you need to like protest it. Exactly, exactly. And another thing it's I like, think a lot there of people this anyway, <laughs> right? Correct. And a, a thing a lot of other people I think might be shocked by are um, nude uh, nude beaches in Germany and, and in Europe in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went to one in Germany one time. Well, it was like actually a public park. And like half of the park was, you know, where people with swimsuits were. And of course, I was with Tomas, of course. And he takes me to the side where it's all nudists um, chilling and sunbathing. And, you know, I didn't even realize it until we were swimming in the water and we swam closer to shore. And I'm like, wait a minute. <coughs> that guy and that woman do not have any swim trucks on. Um, and so, you know, um, just be aware of where you might be going. You might see you might see a, a wang or two or you might see some breasts, you know, and it's in a lot of these countries, it's normal. My my parents still make fun of me. I we went to Portugal when I was and uh, lived in Germany, mm-hmm. and we walked past one of these beaches. Uh, my parents still make fun of me for like walking by, like with my jaw dro- dropped, just staring at them. Oh, I believe it. It's a big culture <laughs> shock. You know, in America, we're like very prude le- about like, that. Like twelve or thirteen or fourteen or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Um, I don't think I was staring as hard as they say I was. Just to be clear, I feel like you probably were. <laughs> Maybe um, I was. But the, the other thing is too, like don't don't be judgmental about how other cultures and countries uh, view different things. Whether it be drinking alcohol in the open, you know, people smoking marijuana in Amsterdam, prostitution in Amsterdam, these are just parts of the culture. And in my opinion, it should not be something that you can also really make a judgment call. Whether or not you participate in, in those things is your your choice. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, don't. Don't drag down an entire country because you have different morals than they do. Right, right. Where it's like these countries are flourishing without your uh, without your morals. They don't they don't need you to to save them or whatever or or de- degrade. You know what I mean? Insult them. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, and so, so yeah. I guess those are some of our tips. And now I'm just curious, Jared. What do you think are some American uh, culture shocks that that people deal with if they're from Europe or Asia or Africa and they come to the states for the first time. Um, the amount of talking that Americans do to strangers is one for oh, sure. For sure, small talk is definitely a skill that is useful to learn a little bit about before you come to the states. I was and pardon, but I was happened to be wearing the U of M shirt that Don got me Uh-oh. the other day, and I I live close to a fire department, and the and one of the guys was outside. And he just started like talking about Michigan football, 
and I, and I was and I was like, uh, it's just a shirt. Like I don't. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just like just striking like it's just striking up full conversations with strangers. Um, as we already talked a lot about this, but I'll just mention it quickly: is the speed of of, of meals and how we do our mm-hmm. meals. A lot of people would would uh, be, I think, legitimately offended by how quickly it moves, thinking that it's just like, why are you trying to get me out of here so bad? Right. Um, tipping. Mm-hmm. Uh, tipping is a lot of countries, uh, a lot of also other very developed countries around the world. Like I, I know in Australia and some European countries, it's uh, and I, oh, I also in some uh, like Japan and some Asian countries, it's it might actually be offensive to tip because uh, you know it's like hey, go buy yourself something nice, right? <laughs> or it's right. like uh, so tipping. I think is something that um, I think like um, that if you come here. Something you have to get used to, and maybe people might, you know, some Americans might like look at you weird or or, or consider you an asshole because you didn't tip anything or you tip like a dollar on like you know a fifty dollar meal or something because you know a lot of tipping in Europe is just rounding up to the nearest dollar, right? Or not dollar, but you know, right? Um, so tipping is another one. Um, I would say uh, clothing. Uh, I think in the U.S., a lot of times uh, we're a lot more lax with what we wear. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, so people, you might stick out more if you're walking around with an ascot on to go mm-hmm. to the grocery store or whatever you Europeans do. Um, so that's definitely one. Uh, a lot of ascots in Europe. No. Um, so I'd say clothing is another one. Uh, give me some. I've just been fire. Fireball uh, free free restrooms could be a maybe a positive culture shock, but usually yeah. in the states you don't have to pay to use the restroom. Uh, another one free refills, mm-hmm. so you get another a Coke positive one. Or, or well, <laughs> good for your money, maybe not great for your health or your or your waist size. As we said last episode on our freedom episode, we have the freedom to kill ourselves however we want. <laughs> That's right, including <laughs> drinking way too much uh, pop out there or soda. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I think that's a big culture shock. Obviously, the age-old portion sizes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I think in the States, we uh, do get huge portion sizes, and we do waste a lot of food, which is a very bad thing. Yep. I think in the U.S. in general, I think you could view a lot of what we do as overconsumption, very wasteful, wasteful in a lot of ways, exactly. Um, yeah, I agree. A big culture shock for many people as well is... Tons of ice cubes in your drink, whether it be mm-hmm. tea, iced tea, water, Coca-Cola, anything like that. Other than beer, um, even cocktails might have a lot of ice in them. And that's just very yeah. common in the States. Mm-hmm. Um, or like those fancy giant ice cubes. Right, exactly. The other thing is, yeah, I would agree with the, the small talk is a really big one. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would also say Americans using the greeting, hi, how are you? Uh, especially oh, yeah. in like customer service uh Scenarios they don't. Act, I hate to hate to be an asshole right now, but they don't care how you are. They're just asking. I mean, you're not being an asshole. You've asked. also said hi. How are you? And not cared about the answer to people. I'm of course, sure. of course, exactly. Um, I also say another culture shock, um, especially for some of our not for not for everyone because we're not the worst, but for some of the European countries, is how we drive is pretty yep. terrible. And we but drive also, almost everywhere. Also, yes, that too. But also, it's it, that's only in some countries because, like, you know, Italy, they're insane drivers too. Right. Um, a, a lot of uh, Asian and African countries have are filled with insane drivers. So it just depends on uh, on where you're coming from there. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But I guess it's still a culture shock to like follow the rules, you know, if you're like an Italian driving or something. (laughs) Right. Oh, for sure. That's really important. Most definitely. Um, Yeah, I think we've covered most of them, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, We've covered a good portion of different culture, culture shocks in different countries. So I guess just to wrap our main segment up, try to be open minded. Mm -hmm. Uh, Don't take things personally and don't get too sensitive. Be aware you're in a new place with different customs and cultures and really enjoy it and take it in for what it's worth. You betcha. I agree. I agree. Let's talk about the song of the pod. Let's do it. So I chose this one. It's been a while since I've chosen a song. It's, you've, been, you've been on a roll recently. How do you say their name? Tame Impala. Is it Tame Impala? Okay. I wasn't sure if it was Tame or Tame or, or how they would say it. Oh, no. Okay. Just, how it's, just how it's spelled. Okay. Uh, Tame Impala. They're Australian. Australian. We've been talking a lot about Australia today. They're mm-hmm. Australian. And uh, I, I've heard about them. For, have you, do you know who they are? Have you heard of them before? No, I've never heard of them before. Okay. I've heard about them a bunch, but I've never really given them a good listening to. And uh, I listened to this other podcast the other day that uh, played, not this song, but a different song from them. And I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot about those guys. I should find a song of the pod from them. And um, I like it. So they, they're, um, they, they're like a, sort of like a psychedelic rock with like electronic uh, component to it, I would say. Is that a good mm-hmm. way to explain it? Sure, yeah. Uh, the song I chose was Mind Mischief. Um, I guess I would recommend, it's, I'm not going to say it's not safe for work, but I also wouldn't play the music video with your boss standing behind you if you're watching probably it at not. work. <laughs> yeah, probably not. <laughs> but uh, I really like I really like the sound. I like the mix of the... Um, like the 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 real instruments in the electronic mm-hmm. part of it. Sure. And uh, I like the uh, I like I I don't want to say the lyrics because I do like the lyrics, but yeah, it's kind of hard to understand a lot of the lyrics. I just like the sound. Yeah. It's very it's very like chill. And, oh, definitely. Um, and the other stuff I've heard from them is also very chill. And uh, I don't know. I just really liked it. I enjoyed it. Uh, do you have any comments? Can I can Concerns. I give you my my quick little take on this? Please. I think in a lot of ways these guys sonically put me in a similar kind of mindset like the Beatles. I get huh. some Beatles vibes from these guys. Interesting. Um and I really like it. I like the guitar, the riffs, mm-hmm. um kind of the, the way the vocals are in the in the song. They're yeah, fantastic. Kind of spacey. Yeah. It reminds me of like Beatles music from like Rubber Soul or Revolver, where it's kind of trippy. Mm-hmm. It's really cool though, and yeah, the music I, video I is definitely saying, not yeah. not something for work, but it's fantastic, <laughs> uh, without a doubt. So give Especially it a, give it a quick teacher. watch, right? No kidding, <laughs> no kidding. Uh, but yeah, give it a watch. Tame Impala, Mind Mischief on yeah. our Twitter, Untranslatable One, and our YouTube channel, Untranslatable Podcast, will yeah, be check on out the playlist. our playlist. Yeah, mm-hmm. you betcha. It's fantastic, absolutely fantastic. Well, Jared. I figured I'd throw you a bone this episode, and uh, our check word of the pod is shockovat. Uh, well, sh- shocked, culture shock, shock. Mm-hmm. Oh, shock. Okay, okay the verb okay. shock. Uh huh. Shock. Mm-hmm. Oh, to shock. Mm-hmm. Shockovat. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Minus my Spanish word. I had a Spanish lesson yesterday morning. Muy bien. Uh, but this was not in- involved in this. Oh, the Spanish lesson yesterday was exhausting. So. In this little like online book thing that uh that I'm following, I had to read like four 
three, four or five paragraphs about um, the uh, uh, different Latin American cuisines in South America and Central America, and then answer like true or false questions. And and so like I had to read. First, I read. Uh, give me a recommendation of what you would think would be better. So first, in the first two paragraphs, I read the entire paragraph, then went back right after and translated it in English to my teacher. Waste of uh, time. But then she recommended that we do it by each sentence after that. So I read a sentence, then translate the sentence. Wait, you say waste, neither? Both, waste, are, both waste are pointless? Waste of time. Don't translate waste it at time. all? Well, look, if you were trying to learn Spanish to, like, read academic journals and do research in Spanish, then I'd say, sure, translate it all. But your goal is to be able to speak Spanish and understand it, yeah? Yeah. So what I would what I would suggest... Now, your Spanish won't be at this level just yet, but I think in a while what you should do is read it um, and then try to summarize it in a few sentences in Spanish. Right now, oh. what I would do is read it and talk with your teacher and uh, tell her what you understood and what you didn't understand, and then you can go over that. And then what I would do is the stuff you didn't understand, then sure, you can write that down. But here's the thing. I didn't write it down, by the way. Okay. Okay. Oh, I just I just read the like read a paragraph, then went literally went back to the same paragraph and went through and translated the paragraph. I see. I mean, I guess that's I guess that's okay out loud. I, I wasn't right. Writing anything, yeah, yeah. Writing I feel you. I, I guess that's all right. But here's the thing: the thing that I don't want you to do is get in the habit of always having to translate back and forth, mm. because you will never be able to think in Spanish if you always have to translate back and forth. Right. Right. I don't translate back and forth with German and English. Which can be dangerous now because I learn German words. Like I'll be reading a book in German. I learn the German, but then I don't know the English translation. So sometimes there will be moments where people ask me, oh, what does this word mean in English? And I'm like, I have no idea. Yeah. 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 Um, and, and so that, that always sounds kind of pretentious, too. It, it does. It totally does. But <laughs> Wait, that's so why if you if mm-hmm. you're reading something in German mm-hmm. uh, and you don't know what the word is, will you go to a German dictionary Yeah. to figure out what the word is? Usually I try a German dictionary. Okay, so you wouldn't go to like dict.cc first just to get the English word. Well, you usually I can pick it up based on context, and then if I'm really unsure, I'll go to the German dictionary. If I go to the German dictionary and then I really have no idea, then my last resort would be go to a translation website and translate Okay, it. so that's your last resort. Yep. Interesting. Yep. That makes sense, mm-hmm. though. Yeah. That definitely makes sense. My, thought, my thinking was it would help me um, learn vocabulary. <sighs> I, I don't really think it does. I think, I think if you know that gato means cat in Spanish, and you, I, I would rather you picture a, a cat in your head when you mm-hmm. see gato instead of always having to translate it, right? Right. I get um, that. Yeah. I mean, and these so, are good tips. I'm glad to have yeah. a teacher here to, to help exactly. me with this. I mean, that, that, that is literally my day job. So, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, to me, that's what's more important, you know? I mean... Uh, and when I teach students, I will rarely ask them to translate it into Czech because for mm-hmm. me, it's more important they understand how to use it in context and they get an image in their head. That's why a lot of more successful language learning apps nowadays will have a photo and you have to choose the word instead of an English word and then the Spanish right. word or vice versa. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. But anyways, what is this Spanish word of the pop? Oh, right. I thought I already said it. <laughs> uh, Aver Gonzado. Oh, I have no idea what that is. Um, if you were to 
go to a uh, some for be in some foreign country, mm-hmm. and you. Uh, try to and you know a little bit of the language but you're not proficient mm-hmm. and you try to say something but you get it totally wrong and you know say something that's uh that and so the person starts laughing at you you might be aver gonzado uh, like embarrassed mhm mhm parada yeah uh-huh. means embarrassed which is funny because do you know aver gonzado do you know what uh embarrassada is or embarrassado is that a false which... friend means pregnant oh actually i did know that that was yeah. on my last spanish lesson uh-huh. last week that was uh that was uh one of the words yep so that's a that's oh, a good actually, one in that to case, know i did learn um, i did actually learn that word last week now that i think about it there you because go. they had those around each other just so you uh-huh. don't get them confused right because i had a i had a friend in graduate school um she was getting her master's in spanish and when she was first learning spanish she was in i think mexico and uh, and she tripped on the the bus or whatever, and she wanted to say, "Oh, I'm I'm so embarrassed," oh. but she said, "I'm so pregnant." And then people were like, <laughs> were like "Oh, oh no!" Shit. Like, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So yeah, so that's that's good to know. That's for sure. Oh, that's well, great. cool. Well, uh, to wrap this episode up, I think it's important to um, roll with the culture shock, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, I think in a lot of ways, culture shock can be seen as a blessing in disguise and can be um, a really good learning, you know, lesson uh, for, for anyone traveling because um, don't be judgmental. Don't look at things as, as good or bad, but it's just a part of the culture and it's something mm-hmm. that I can learn from and hopefully at, at some point also learn to enjoy. Yeah. And also you can share your culture with other people too. It's a two-way street. Even Oh, definitely. Even when you're, you know, you know, obviously we talk a lot about trying to I don't know, blend in's not maybe not a good word, but trying to uh like fit into other cultures. Assimilate? Think, yeah, assimilate. I don't really like that word either. That's but uh okay, fair enough. But I think I think part of the benefit of that is that people can learn from you too. And it's a two-way street even if you're in, you know, that country. Trying to be part of it. People are still interested in, in, in you a lot of times. Exactly. Exactly. And don't take things personally if you mm-hmm. do get a lot of questions about you and your home culture. And it's because they're curious and they want to learn. And yeah. I would say embrace that opportunity. And also that should open the door for you to learn more about their culture. You betcha. So definitely take advantage of that. So we hope you've learned a couple new things about culture shock, how to deal with it, and some different types of culture shock people might experience in different countries and cultures. Let us know your culture shock experiences on translatablepodcast at gmail.com. Slide into Jared's DMs with some tips, tricks, or experiences you've had with culture shock on translatable one on Twitter. Also, you can check out our uh, fantastic uh, songs of the pod on our Twitter account and also on our YouTube on translatable podcast. Also do not forget five-star reviews, iTunes and Stitcher, We would really, really appreciate it. Let us know what we could do better to improve this podcast and how we could help you all, um, all of our untranslatablers out there listening to our podcast. So without further ado, we thank you all so much for your support. And as we say here at the Untranslatable Podcast, Yekuyame, a muchas gracias.